Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome back. We are on episode 27 today, and we're in the second part of our contentment series. So if you didn't tune in last week, we talked about contentment in general, and then we got into contentment with aging, which I guess essentially is contentment with change Yeah, on some level. Um, talking about um, how, you know, just being content with what we have and um, the changes we see in ourselves as we get older. So if that interests you, flip back to that one. Um, today, we're going to be talking about contentment in our relationships. Yeah. And um, we have now for one hour put off recording this because <laughs> well, number we one. have other business that we need to take care of. Um, but this is this is a tricky topic because I, w- I just want to throw a disclaimer out there that I think needs to be said. When we're talking about being content in a relationship, what we are not saying is that there mm-hmm. if there's any sort of abuse, whether it is physical, emotional, mental, um, sexual, if there's any kind of abuse in a relationship or even just like, you know, um, personality patterns where someone's yes. like a total narcissist or like just issues like we're not saying just sit there and smile through it. Okay. That is not at all. We are talking about reasonably healthy relationships. Not every relationship is going to be perfectly healthy because we're human, but yeah, for the whole of this episode, what we are speaking to are, if you're in a reasonably healthy relationship, we, we are called to find contentment in that. Yes. So we're going to talk a little bit through, um, kind of what relationships are, why do we have them? And Mm -hmm. then what are some things that lead to our discontent in them? But I just really wanted to say that because I think sometimes people can hear that and just yeah. think like, oh, well, I just have to be content with this terrible whatever. Yes. And, and that's yeah. not what we're saying. So, yeah, FYI. But um, we wanted to start out by talking. So we're talking about relationships. And I think the first thing I always think of is how God is in relationship. Yeah. God is not one being. He is three beings. Yes. And Rebecca, can you um, explain that a little bit? Well, I mean, even the very beginning that, you know, the first verse of the Bible, you know, he talks about them hover, hovering mm-hmm. over the waters and that's that, you know, that's God and, and, and create, we created them in our image when he mm-hmm. talks about creating people. Um, and he's talking about, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So he, the Trinity was that because God, God created himself and we're going to get, we're not going to get to deep theology, but God's been there forever. Mm-hmm. God's always been there and and god could be anything mm-hmm. but what he is is three and that's a relationship and he modeled he modeled our beings and our images after relationship and that's why we crave it so much even if we think we don't even if we think i don't need people mm-hmm. i'm an introvert so i don't i don't need people or i don't need community i can do it myself and we're super individualistic which a lot of people in america are like that's not true Mm-hmm. Like God created all of us for this need for a relationship because that's who he is and we're created in his image. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, yeah, we can think either that's a weakness or like, I think America, especially we have that sort of pioneer mentality where we think like we're supposed to just like trailblaze and figure it out and like red and solo. But like yeah. even you and I yeah, chose to do this as a relationship. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that's one thing, like just talking on relationships in general, I feel like the older I get, the more I only understand myself in context. Like, and I think a lot of times we try to pull out the context and be like, who am I? But I only understand myself as I am 
in relation to another person. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's true of all of us. Because when you describe yourself, what do you say? Well, even if your biggest description is I'm a child of God, that's in context or I'm this sort of person. So I think relationships, I mean, and obviously we all know relationships are important. This is not news, but um, relationships really do, they don't only enrich us, but they define us deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of what can unfortunately define us is, I mean, we're human. There's a lot of sin in the world. And most of our relationships aren't perfect. Or as I think none of our relationships are perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that, I think, I mean, yeah, scripture, like God grieves over the fact that our world is broken. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of us do come from places where our relationships are not what they ought to be. Yeah. And that can kind of color our life. So we're going to talk about, uh, it can't kind of color our life. It very much does. So Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk a little bit through some relationship stuff we've had and Mm -hmm. just things we've learned from it. Um, So do you want to talk about? Yeah. I mean, so when I, the first thing I thought of when we talked about contentedness and relationship, you know, I think some people that, that hear this are going to think if they're single, they're thinking about being content with being single. And we're hoping to do an episode on that at some point and address that, or they're married and they're not content in their marriage. So that's the first thing they think of or whatever. And the first thing that came to my mind was contentedness with my family of origin. Mm -hmm. So we all have a family of origin, even if you're adopted or you don't have any relationship whatsoever with the people who raised you anymore or they're dead or whatever. You still have a family of origins. Mm -hmm. You had somebody, you you, you weren't created in a vacuum. You're not a robot. You're not just like some, you know, random creation from a sci-fi movie. Like we, we all grew up somewhere and in some way. Mm -hmm. And, um, so when I think when I thought about this contentedness, um, episode with relationship, I thought about, my own family of origin and how God has continuously had to do a work in me to make me content with the family he gave me. And I mean, it starts from very young, you know, my, my parents um, were high school sweethearts and they got married very young and they had me and my brother very early and it didn't, the marriage didn't work out. And so my mom was left with a three-year-old and a one-year-old and, um, and they had moved to Texas. My family's from New York and they had moved to Texas and my mom decided to stay in Texas for, you know, what a, a myriad of reasons. Um, that's her own story to share, but she chose to stay in the small town in Texas where she didn't know anybody and we had no family and we both both my parents come from massive families in New York, you know, mm-hmm. Italian, Irish immigrant families that are massive. And they all, all of those families grew up tight knit together. and We were separated and my mom. And so I grew up in a small town where most of my friends, parents weren't divorced. Mm-hmm. Most of my friends had um, a tight nuclear family and they had their extended family there. And that's cause that's why a small town is. So we were outsiders and, um, I remember, I can remember from young ages, just feeling this like restlessness with that. Like mm-hmm. my family doesn't look like other people's families. Um, my dad lives on the other side of the world for part of the time of me growing up. And then he was in Atlanta and we were in Texas, but, and so we would, but I would spend every single holiday with him. And so it's this, this very fractured childhood. Now I also had a wonderful childhood. I mean, given the circumstances, my parents did the, did great. And I had, you know, there's, there's no major trauma or any of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, but there was always this underlying, um, my family doesn't look 
like it should. And that just reminds me back last week when we talked about um, what contentedness is. And it's this mm-hmm. internal state of satisfaction um, that doesn't demand changes in the external. And yeah. obviously as a child, like I didn't understand that. And, right. you know, that's a part of my growing up is just wrestling with that discontentedness with my family. But as I've gotten older and been an adult and matured and, you know, grown in my relationship with the Lord, God's just like taught me a lot about like, that's my story. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the story he's given me. Is it broken? Like you were talking about, does God grieve or the brokenness of my family and other families that are broken? Of course he does. Is that his original intent for families? No, it's not, but it has made me who I am. And so, um, the two verses that came to that always kind of, that have brought like in my twenties when I was really wrestling with, why did my family, why did I have to grow up like that? Why couldn't I have grown up in this perfect nuclear family, which nobody's nuclear family is perfect, by the way, everybody has dysfunction, but but why couldn't I grow up in this perfect family, um, you know, with 2.5 children and the, you know, around my extended family? Why did my parents choose to take me away from my extended family? All of those things. Why did I grow up in Texas and not in New York, even though I obviously loved growing up in Texas? Like, why, why that way? Mm-hmm. Like, why is my story like that? Mm-hmm. And so what the a couple of verses that God um, brought to me through mentors and counselors and stuff like that. And in my twenties, one of them, uh, one's Old Testament, one's New Testament. And when I first read them, you, you're going to think, what does that have to do with families of origin? But it does. Um, Psalm 16, six says, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And then the um, Acts passage is Acts 17, 26. And it says, and he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. And so it's this idea that like God has, God gave us the families he gave us. He gave us the mom and dad he gave us. He gave us the siblings he gave us. He gave us the place where we lived. Because I remember thinking, why can't I live near my cousins and my grandparents? Like, Mm -hmm. why can't, why can't my life look like this? Like my friends' lives. And and God just showed me a lot um, in my 20s about how like his lines for me have fallen in pleasant places. Mm -hmm. And the story he's given me is, the story he wanted for me. And so, yeah, I just, I, I, does that mean I'm, no, my family, because of the fracturedness and both my parents being married multiple times and having, you know, step siblings and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's a constant battle with dealing with discontentedness, but guys just continually reminding me that like, he's placed me in this family for a reason. And that, I mean, he's our strength. And yeah. I think like, um, I also had a difficult childhood and I think, um, something that he has taught me so much is, you know, the whole thing of where you're weak, he is strong. Like, I don't know that I would be the mom I am today. Yeah. Like, and people always say like, you're such a good mom. And I don't say that to like toot my own horn or anything, but like, <laughs> but literally it's God. Yeah. I should not be a good mom. Like I just shouldn't. I sh- like mm-hmm. there's, it, it's a miracle. And I just think about that sometimes and how like, yeah, when, when the people who are supposed to do certain things for us fail us, sometimes it's better because guess who fills that gap in? Yeah. God himself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, as you're talking about discontentedness, I'm just thinking in my own life because I had some struggles as a kid in my family of origin and then getting married was terrifying. 
Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to repeat patterns. And one way that I dealt with that was by criticizing my husband. Yeah. Um, not always outwardly, but yeah. in my heart, I remember just being so discontent for so long. And I, I say that in the past tense, like I don't still struggle with this. I do. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of times those families of origin, you know, the patterns you get into, they keep showing up. They, yeah. they never go away. And it's kind of like Angela talked about. It's like the slinky or the staircase where you're going yes. up and up and up and you're seeing it from a different perspective. But um, I think a lot of our discontent is just rooted in pain. And I remember yeah. um, it was funny when I really thought my husband would fix me. Yeah, I really, and I would have never said that out loud because yeah. I'm like an independent woman, but I, really, <laughs> I thought like yeah. marriage is going to be the thing that fixes me yeah. and makes me just content, happy. And guess what? That's not true. And because I was disappointed in that reality, I found so much discontent in my husband. Yeah. Um, and I have an incredible husband, like he's yeah. wonderful. And yeah. so it, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, you see the truth and you think. I know this is me. I know this is my discontent, but that's too painful. So I'm just going to project it on you yeah. and make yeah. you the problem. And yeah. I think we do that so much in of our, course we do. And our kids, our friendships, our siblings, yeah. whoever. So, but yeah, I mean, I think that the thing about discontent in our relationships is we have, I think it, I'm not sure that it always relates back to a discontent in ourselves, but I think a lot of times it does. And that's yeah. not to say that there's not righteous anger toward the person. Yes. So that's a distinction. But I think I, I've gotten into a habit of always checking myself before. Yes. Like when I'm mad at someone, I yeah. have to be like, wait a second, is this about me? And like, but it's funny too, a lot of times. So like Chris and I just got into like a giant fight last week, giant. And, um, I was talking to a friend about it and we're fine now, but it was one of those things where I always assume the problem is me, yeah. you know? And I'm just like, Oh, well, it's probably because this happened when I was seven. And so I'm pretty, you know, whatever. And she was like, no, there's righteous anger. And it sounds like, you know, that's okay. Yeah. So it's also not going to the extremes. Cause I think yes. sometimes when we're discontent and we, we know it might be us, we just are like, Oh, it's me. It's not you, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But really like the thing about relationship again is it is all intertwined. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, and I, and I think also what's helped me too is recognizing that there, there is good to be found except for the disclaimer that you made at the very beginning about, you know, certain abusive situations and yeah, those kind of things. But overall, like there is, there's redemptive qualities in most of our relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, so for me, like just sit, being able to sit down and think about all the redemptive things that have come from my story, like, yeah. you know, the, I have, <laughs> I have multiple moms, um, mm -hmm. and my kids have multiple grandmothers who are all amazing. Yeah. I mean, all four of them, my three and David's mom, um, are all four strong, wonderful role models and wonderful grandmothers to my children. Um, and I am who I am because of those women. Mm -hmm. And so God multiplied um, my female role models through mm -hmm. the pain. And yes. they're like that. Like, I don't think I even now recognize how important that is. Yeah. Um, and that my children have those 
female, strong female role models. So while there, you know, there was pain and there was dysfunction and, and fracture in my story, like the people that God brought into my life because of those situations are still in my life and they do redemptive work still in my life. And so, and I'm so grateful for all of them. So it's, it's so hard because we have these expectations Mm -hmm. of the way family should look and the way, um, our lives should like, especially our childhoods. And, and we project that on how we like try to like, um, create these perfect childhoods for our own children mm-hmm. because we want them to look different than our childhood, you know, and w- without looking at how God, um, has done some really awesome things through it. And so that is something that I've had to do to help my contentedness is just to, to see God's hand in it and, and the gifts that he's given, even in the fracture, like, I mean, just with you and your marriage, like yeah. God, obviously it, it, God has done a work in you. Mm-hmm. And has redeemed you so that you can be the mom that he has made you to be and be the wife he's made you to be. But he also brought you Chris. And yeah. Chris is the exact perfect person for you. Right. And like, and he and the two of you together can redeem what the locus have been, you yeah. know? So. It's so true. And it makes me think like, so I feel like it's easy in retrospect, you know, to say like, oh, well, this was hard. Like, you know, we're in our, we're middle age. So we we look back at our childhood with a different lens and maybe someone who's like in their early twenties or like, you know, if you're struggling in your marriage right now, like it might be like, well, I don't really see the good. And like the thing I always think of when I think of like, why did this stuff happen? Or like it, it's like the oyster and pearl thing. So like oysters, because oysters are in the ocean, Mm -hmm. they're not made to have sand in them, but God said, you might get sand in you. Yeah. I'm going to turn it into a pearl. Yeah. But, and that's just how I see it. Like we weren't made necessarily to deal with this crap yeah. that we do. Yeah. Is crap okay? Are we still yeah. on a clean rating yeah. now? Can you I can say, say crap. crap. Yeah. Um, I have a potty <laughs> mouth and we have this clean rating and I'm always very nervous. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say something bad. Um, but... So the Lord, you know, if you think of the world as the sand and you as the oyster, well, I mean, sand is a byproduct of being human, so to speak. And when it gets in your shell, like, do you know how, because an oyster, look this up sometime if you're interested in this, an oyster, the shell doesn't just happen or the, um, the pearl doesn't just happen. It happens because of the friction of the oyster fighting the sand. Yes. It is then made into this thing that is beautiful enough for women to wear it around their neck and highly prize thing that comes out of pain and from mm-hmm. struggle really. Uh-huh. And, um, so whatever the grit, I mean, we all have grit. My grit may be my family of origin. Your grit may be something else, but at the end of the day, I think what we're saying is like contentedness rests in knowing God's going to make a pearl. And he didn't let, he didn't put sand in your shell. So he could be like, Ooh, look at this pearl I'm making. Yeah. He is like, you know what? That sucks. Let me, let me just make it something beautiful. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think of that because a lot of times it is really easy to get stuck and to just think like, I mean, cause things are horrible and like no one would fault you if you thought like, God, why did you let this happen to me? Whatever yeah. the, it is, you know, yeah. we all have a story that's just like, ah, and just rips your heart out when you're like, why did this person have to experience this? But at the end of the day, it's like contentedness rests in knowing that God makes pearls. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I, I, my struggle as a mom is, is I want my kids to be pearls without grit. Yeah. And so yep. like, you know, so I think about my growing up and I want to, to create this like perfect family life, mm-hmm. you know, where, and they do, they have a loving mom and dad. They're very lucky kids that they have loving mom and dad that, you know, we have a good home. We live in a good neighborhood. They go to a good school. So like mm-hmm. they have, they have all the things that from the outside looks like the perfect thing. And I, you know, I tried to plan the best trips and, and, you know, they have all the experiences. They play all the sports, mm-hmm. all the instrument, you know, and like, I can get like caught up in this um, whirlwind that like, that is what's going to make them the pearl. Like mm-hmm. that's what that's mm-hmm. going to, that if I just make their entire childhood content, if we want to go with the theme, mm-hmm. like if I just make it like this perfect um, artwork for them, for the, their yeah. for their whole childhood that they're going to graduate from high school, move away, become an adult. And they're going to like, just like have this like pristine life because, mm-hmm. and they're going to become these wonderful people because I've created this, this portrait for them of their, of their life. And that's like not how it works. So mm-hmm. they, I mean, everybody, like you said, everybody has grit and like, we can't protect our kids from that grit. Like my kids grit may not be having divorced parents and grow up in a fractured home, but their grit might be something else who knows whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like prote- trying to protect them from that grit and still wanting them to become the person God wants them to be is just like a fruitless effort. And, um, it's a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to say, you know, but they, it, we need the grit and that's made us who we are. And it's funny you say that, like, I, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but I'm not, I don't try to make my kids' lives difficult, but sometimes <laughs> because I see like the other side of the grit and I see the pearls I have, I, I don't necessarily have that view. Like I'm kind of the type of parent who's like, you're not going to learn unless you scrape your knee yeah. type thing. Um, yeah. So, you know, and I'm not calling you a helicopter. Oh no, parent, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I'm what I'm saying. Saying. Yes. I kind of tend to err more on the side of like, you guys yes. figure it out. And I try to like make things into lessons. And I feel that like the counsel of the Holy Spirit is so often saying to me, like, you don't have to make grit for them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, cause I think yes. sometimes it'll be like, I'm like, is this a teachable moment? And the Holy Spirit's like, nope, it's not. Clean up the milk and don't make a thing out of it. <laughs> so, but I think it's funny because yeah. it's like the other side of this. Like, so you can either be like avoiding the grit and mad about the grit, but then once you like kind of are like, oh, this grit, and this could be also because I'm like a four and I'm just like, this stuff is like my kryptonite kind of. Um, wait, did I use that reference right? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're such a girl mom. I am. <laughs> so funny just makes me think of that song kryptonite i hated that song Um, anyways but (laughs) i think too we also don't want to like make things hard to teach a lesson yes and that can also be sort of a temptation yeah so like everything we talk about there's balance right because and and i and i do have a i do have i do like the idea of um and i and i like I do agree with it. Kids need to fail, and you know, I, mine's more in the the area. Uh, and I and I, my kids are very independent, but I, I, it's more in the area of wanting to create perfect, like yeah, no, holidays totally and vacations. Oh, I struggle with that too, yeah. for sure. So because yeah. it's not one or the other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I can see, I see what you're saying that we could, we don't want to go towards the tendency that we purposely make their lives hard so they can learn. It all goes back to. 
what is God, what is the story God's creating for them? It's a control either way. Like we're trying to control either that they have this perfect idyllic childhood or we're trying to control that they learn all the lessons from us. Like that's not our job, you know, like it's not our job. But yeah, God uses us to teach them lessons, Mm -hmm. but like God's creating their story for them. And like we've, and this goes back to our control episodes. Like we've got to let let go, like, yeah. and not let go of that God, because we decided we didn't like that. But, you know, we need to, like, release some of that control and surrender some of that control yeah. and know that God has a story for them. And we can, it's not our job to alter that story. Exactly. So. That's so good. And then I think, too, like, we're talking relationships. What about friendships? Yeah. So this is a really tricky one for me, because friendships, I mean, you can you can get out of a relationship with your husband, for sure. You can get a divorce. You yeah. can't really get out of a relationship with your kids. Well, society would be like, you would pretty much be ostracized. If yes. You did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but friendships, this is a tricky one. Yeah. Knowing like what to do with your friendships mm. and like knowing when do I hang on to the, you know what I mean? Because friendships are mm. kind of like, they're not throwaway things, but they're not, there's no commitment there. There's no like, mm. and I think sometimes I wish there were so yeah. that like, because like, I feel like with the commitment comes a sense of like, we're here, duty. but like a friend yeah. can, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I've had friends literally just walk out of my life and I don't know why. Yeah. And the pain is so much more than even a breakup sometimes. Cause you're just like, why? Like, yeah, what there's happened? no closure. Yeah. So like, but I guess just thinking through like contentedness and relationships, like, what do you think in terms of friendships? I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, so I don't, I think we do have a commitment to one another though. Like, even though it's not on a piece of paper, um, obviously we can't, we can't govern the, um, decisions of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can't make people stay in friendship with us. We can't make people tell us why they're not in friendship with us anymore. Um, all we can do is be the best friends we can be and, um, do relationships the best we can do relationships. Um, I, I think, we are, we are friends, we are imperfect friends being friends with imperfect people. Um, and so some of it comes with what are our our expectations of our friends? Yeah. Like, what are we expecting of our friends? What, what are we, what do we think they should be to us? Um, I think that we lower expectations a little bit and not saying that we should like (laughs) just let anybody be our friend and let anybody in. Like, obviously there's boundaries, but like more of like knowing that, God puts us in our, even in our friend relationships, because he's put us in the church that he's put us in. He's put us in the neighborhood that we're in. He's put our kids in the school that they're in that we're friends with their parents, or he's put us at a, at a job where mm-hmm. those coworkers become our friends. Like the, they're all there for a reason. And we have these spheres of influence for a reason and they're there, but we can't expect them to be something they're not. Yeah. Like we, think, yeah. we can't expect them to be God. We can't expect, expect them to be, you know, um, everything that we need and meet all of our needs all the time. And, and I think so lowering our expectations, I think we'll be surprised by how much people rise, um, mm. when we do that. And, um, when we aren't so needy in our friendships, um, and, and, but are there and lean into them without like, needing something from, you know what I'm saying? Like expecting and needing something from them. Um, instead like lean into them and be like, God, how do you want me to be in this relationship? I think that then the, then the other person 
leans into that too, more so than when we place expectations on the relationship, even if they're not worded expectations. So I was um, in a Bible study this week and we were reading and the scripture, particular scripture isn't important, but I noticed like, so when you're reading the Bible and you, um, Jesus says something weird, like Uh we always, well, not always, but like if you're a Christian and Jesus says something that's weird to you, you're not like, eh, forget it. You, you question it because you're like, I know your character. Yeah. And, but then you also said this thing that seems weird. Let me, let me like dive into that. And I think if we would do that in our friendships, Mm. it would change everything. Yeah. Our relationships in general, not just friendships, because we like, it's kind of assuming the best of people, but it's also, I think we're really quick when someone like does an action that maybe offends us to just sit in that offense and be mad when really Mm. it's like, are they having a hard time? Like, you know, all these questions you could be asking, thinking, you know, like, I know your character, I know who you are, and I know you're not somebody who's, and especially with our husbands, right? Or our wives. Like, I feel like that's, we kind of tend to assume the worst or like take things really personally, but it's, it's that question of like, I know your character. So how can I look at you and have curiosity about your actions and not judgment and be curious and have hard conversations? It doesn't mean that you just like, let everything roll off your back. In fact, yeah. it's not really being a good in a good relationship at all if you just let yeah. everything go all the time. But I don't know. So I was just thinking of that and like how we give Jesus that benefit of the doubt, hopefully, and we say like, okay, well, I don't really get what you're saying, but I know who you are. So yeah, obviously, I'm misunderstanding something. But that requires a humility. That requires yeah. a willingness to, you know, kind of go to the person and have that conversation and all of that, which brings me to the point that studies show you can have three friends and do well with three friends. Yeah. Have you heard this? Like, yeah, well, that's what Jesus, Oh, I, it, this is how Jesus modeled his life. Right. Mm-hmm. So like he had Peter, James and John. Yeah. And those were his closest, but he had the other 12 disciples. And then he had other disciples that were always with him. He had Mary yeah. and Martha. He had Lazarus. Like, so he had other spheres and like, but like, you're like closest that you like check in with in day in and day out that mm-hmm. like, well, who are the first people that you text because something's happened? Right, right, right. Like, who are those three or four or five people that were like your inner circle? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, then there's the next circle still super close. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not, you know, like, but, but yes, I see what you're saying. Like, it's, if you're going to like truly do a deep dive friendship, you can't do that with 50 people. You can't do that with 15 people. It's, right. It's hard. Yeah. A thought assuming the best of our relationships. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, it, it, I think it's a little bit easier when we have good relationships or we have, um, you know, these sweet friendships and, you know, we hear this, that we need to like see the other people as humans mm-hmm. and see the other people as God sees them. Um, it's easy to do that when we're, ha- we have relationships that even if they're not perfect, they're still pretty wonderful. But like, if you've got relationships that are hard, whether it's family members or it's your marriage, um, or it's your, with your kids mm-hmm. or wh- if it's with friends that are difficult, whatever, like we can quickly, at least I can quickly start not seeing them as human mm-hmm. and, um, and like, just these internal, like only seeing the negative. It's not just only seeing the negatives. It's like just not seeing them as people. Like, you know, they have these flaws. So then we make them into something. That's yeah. Sam Lamont human. says, um, 
you can be sure you've created God in your own image when he hates the same people as you do. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, we, 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 we forget that the people around us are human, Yeah, you know, and when we start dehumanizing the people around us, we do that as a defense mechanism. Right. Right. So like when I think, when I think of the difficult people in that I've had relationships I've had in my life, like I look and my first instinct is to dehumanize them. I don't realize that's what I'm doing in the moment, mm-hmm. but looking back, you dehumanize them as a self defense mechanism. Like, because if they were really human, they wouldn't have done this to me. Yeah. So we, we don't see that they're human with their own pains and their own struggles. We just like see them as someone other than human. Yeah. And that's the only way they could have done what they've done to me. Mm-hmm. So, yep. That's true. And I think like it goes back to that definition of contentedness. Like if you, the, the external, so if we're talking external relation or external circumstances are our relationships. We don't demand yes. that they be perfect because yes. hopefully what we're all striving is to be made complete in God and then go out from that yeah. and be in relationship. And so that's always a tell for me if I'm like, have too many expectations of a person yeah. or if I'm being too hard on them or if they hurt my feelings or whatever, that's always, and sometimes that's true. But I always do that check-in, like, yeah. am I getting filled up with God first? Am I trying to make them God to me? And yeah. and it is surprising how many people we try to make God to us. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, it's kind of crazy. It is crazy. And, you know, there, there's the ones that are easy to think about, like our spouses or whatever. But, like, I think we do that in a lot of relationships um, and a lot of our friendships or our families. Like, we're trying, we're expecting them to meet the needs that they were never created to meet. Yep. So, I mean, God uses people to meet our needs, but like our expectations aren't for them to be God to us. And that's so hard. It's a tricky balance because he has put us in relationship and he has given us people to like lift us up and carry us. We do need people. We need people, but they can't, they're not God and they're not perfect. And so, and they can't meet everything all the time. Like that's just not humanly possible. And so if we are trying that those relationships are always going to fail and they're always going to be hard and they're, we're always going to be discontent in them if we want them to be something they can't be. Yeah. And I think it all also goes back to our expectations of ourselves because the way we treat other people is how we're treating ourselves. So if we have these perfection standards on ourselves, we're supposed to have perfect behavior Mm -hmm. or all like I do that to myself all the time. And the more I'm critical of myself and judgmental, the more that sprinkles out into all my relationships. But when I'm able to just look at myself and be like, I am what I am. I'm trying. I'm a person. I'm Mm -hmm. doing my best. And just like, let some stuff go. I can do that to other people too. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, we talked about this back in our grace episodes. Yeah. Like it's, it's really, really, really easy um, when we're giving grace to ourselves to give grace to others. And it's really, 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 really hard when we can't give grace to ourselves to give grace to others. Um, and it kind of reminds me of the cycle of grace. So like yeah. in, in our relationships, like the cycle of grace, do you want to give like a quick? Yeah. So for those of you who didn't listen to that, that um, episode, or if you did and you don't remember, which would probably be me, um, <laughs> it, you know, the cycle of grace is, you know, think of a circle and going clockwise around the circle, you know, starting with um, us getting our affirmation from God, like knowing who we are to God and how he sees us. If we see that in an affirming way, then we can move around the circle, you know, to like being fed by him and, and, and be provided for by him and like 
growing in him that leads to um, accomplishments or fruit or like outpouring out of us, like what we give to other people and other things. Um, But a lot, most of us um, have that kind of like going counterclockwise instead. So we start with like these, like, you know, what are we like our accomplishments are fruit, like, and Mm -hmm. we, and we want affirmation so we do those things <laughs> to get affirmation to instead earn. of to earn affirmation yeah. instead of the other way around. And we do that in relationship too. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so instead of, instead of seeing, instead of, so we, we look at a relationship, say, let's just take our husbands or our wives, or our spouses. Let's look at them. Let's use that as an example. We look at them and we are, we go and we want to earn their love. <clears throat> We go backwards in the circle. So we do all the things. Things do all the things to kind of like earn their love instead of like resting in the relationship he's God has given us and seeing um, the love that that person has for us, even if it's faulty or um, dysfunctional or whatever. But like we're not trying to earn it. We are mm-hmm. just resting in in the relationship we have, and then out of that, we we aren't trying to earn anything, but a fruit of a like positive relationship can come out of that. Um, it's the same thing with our relationship with God. <laughs> so like if you're resting, I mean, cause the thing is like, if you're married, you're in a commitment and you can rest. Even if yes. your marriage is like kind of crappy right now, yeah. there's still some level that you can rest in that. Yeah. And you're not going to get anywhere if you're not resting in that, because then you're just like, yeah, I feel like God taught me so much about this recently. Cause I'm really into the love languages and I do believe in them wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, but I my agree. love language is gifts and mm-hmm. my husband's is not. And for the yeah. longest time I would be like, why don't you just get me gifts? Like it would make me so angry. I would just be like, you're obviously not, you know, Yeah. but I realized I was almost using it like a weapon when really yeah. it was, he, he was loving me and all of the ways. And it was almost not loving of me to not even notice those things. And I've noticed yeah. this in other relationships too. Like people don't love me the way I best receive it. And I get mad, but I don't even notice all the things they are doing. Yeah. And so I think that's a really big key too, is to open your perspective and it's good to know. And I mean, like he works on it. It's not like he's just like, yeah. I'm never buying you gifts, but like, that's just something that, you know, is a big deal to me, but he does all this other stuff and I just completely yeah. disregard it because I'm, yeah. like, oh, I'm just like this little petulant toddler. Like, well, you didn't get me the one thing I wanted. And it's like, that's not how it works. And we can't put parameters on people. Mm-hmm for how to love us. Cause we all love people, how we know. And if we pray for eyes to see, like, how is this person loving me? Yeah. We will see it. But when we're not even looking for eyes to like notice it in the way they're unique, then we're never going to yeah. see it. We're going to be completely discontent. I think that is a good word. Um, I just thinking about myself, like my um, love language is words of affirmation. I know that's shocking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> words of affirmation and quality time are mine. But, um, because I'm an extrovert and I like people to say nice things about me. So, um, and those two are not David's. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the quality of time. Yeah. A little bit. He, I mean, I wouldn't say it's his love language, but he's pretty good at it. But, but the words of affirmation, that is not his thing at all. Like just not at all. And so, and, and I have other friends that that's not 
something they're good at. You know, they're just not good at affirming and, or, or saying words, Um, but they're good in other areas and they show their love in other areas. But I, I will do that. Like if I'll be like, well, they, they haven't appreciated me or said something nice about me or whatever. Um, or they haven't asked to spend time with me because quality time is my other one. They haven't asked me to lunch or something. So obviously there's something wrong in our relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, when I don't look at, well, David, you know, did X, Y, Z as an act of service or he, you know, Mm -hmm. did whatever else it was that was another love language I don't see that I'm cloud I'm clouded by my own selfishness that I can't see that he does love me it's just not in the way that I'm expecting which goes back to our expectations right well and our capacity because yes. like at the point like Chris and I right now I mean we have our twins are almost four we have a dog who's going blind people have bigger problems but for us this is a lot to handle and it's just <laughs> You know, at this point with the capacity we have, it really does require more grace. Yeah. Because also at the same token, like his love language is acts of service. And I just don't have a lot of capacity right now to go out of my way to do acts of service for him beyond the normal scope of things. But gifts just come naturally to me. So in this season, it's kind of like, here you go. And it's like, you have to look at the motive and the heart and like what's under it. And I think we just can use, and even stuff like, the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or any of these tools that help us to know ourselves better, they can't be used that way because it can just breed so much discontent. If you're like, well, I'm a four and that means you have to pay attention to my feelings. It's like, yes, everyone doesn't want to do that all the time. Yes. You know, so is it help? It's like, we need to do these things in a way where it is helpful and like life giving and not use them as like weapons. Like I said, well, I mean, and I, I do think there, you know, it's what's against, it always comes back to balance, Right, right? right? Like, because, you know, God has created me to need words of affirmation and that is how I experience love and, and that you care about me because you say that you care about me, (laughs) you know? And so if you don't say that you love me and care about me, then I'm going to think you don't. Now, Mm -hmm. does that mean I should like check myself and be like, because my first instinct is to be like, you don't love me and you don't care about me, Mm -hmm. which is not true. Going back to your point earlier about what you said about Jesus and knowing his whole character, like, I know that let's use David as an example, because this is a common fight that we have. Like, um, I, he, his character and, and the 17 and a half years we've been together at married. So like almost 19 years together, um, uh, you know, we're approaching 20 years of knowing each other and being in a relationship mm-hmm. with one another. Uh, the track record is that he does love and care about me, right. you know? And so having grace to see that is mm-hmm. instead of just getting so tunnel visioned in, he didn't say today that he appreciated that I made dinner. So he must not love me. Like, right. cause that's where my like base state wants to go to. Sometimes. Well, and that's also when you know you need to check in with Jesus, right? Yes. Like you need to like check yes. in and be like, what am I looking for, David? And that doesn't mean yes. that like if it's something really important to yes, you. Obviously. I mean, there are things like Chris has to tell me I'm pretty every day. He just has to. And I'll be like, hey, I didn't hear it today. And it's just, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. it's childish, but like you yeah. can't you can't have like 20 of those things. Yeah, exactly. you know? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. not even just in marriage, but like any like my close friends, these are the things they know are really important yeah. that I need, but I can't yeah. have too many. of. It's yes. like, and that's a respect to them. Exactly. That's like, you can't put too, too much on other people. Yeah. yeah. You can't be too demanding in your relationships. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. basically what we're saying is check yourself before you wreck your friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it always goes back to the really crappy rap song. <laughs> are so they great. crappy though? If they're <laughs> so good. If they're so relatable. So hashtag relatable. Okay. Um, well, the only other thing that I kind of wanted to like finish up with just because 
I felt like God brought it to my mind on Sunday at church. So that means maybe I should say it. Mm-hmm. Um, so at um, our church that we go to together, they um, we have our worship pastor has um, created or written a song using the words for the from the prayer of Saint Francis, and the song is "Make Me an Instrument." But it's the prayer. It's you know in liturgy, it's the prayer of Saint Francis. And FYI, I learned when I did a little research today that Sarah McLaughlin also has a song from the prayer of Saint Francis. Does it play over a video of uh, beaten dogs? It does not. Okay. <laughs> That's literally all I think of. I think it's Sarah Glock, which is sad. She's actually a beautiful musician. She does have beautiful. Okay, yes. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So this, for me, I, I've i always loved this prayer. This is, and, we, and Rebecca can call me a nerd if she wants to, but my favorite saint is St. Francis. I know. She told me that. And I was like, you're the favorite saint? Like, <laughs> what? But I have lots of reasons that we can't, don't have time to go into right now why he's my favorite saint. But I love this prayer. This is one of my favorite prayers of all time. And outside of the Lord's Prayer, because, you know, that's Jesus. But um, <laughs> this is one of my favorite prayers. And I love so much that our worship pastor um, at, at Trinity, Marty, if you're listening, you're not, but it's okay. Um, he, he, he wrote, um, he took the words and wrote them to music or put them to music. And I'm so grateful. Um, it's, it's a prayer that I say in some measure every day, mm-hmm. uh, because this is how I want to be. And I think that when we're talking about the secret of contentment and relationships comes down to us mm-hmm. and, and allowing God to work in us. And then out of that, it's going to like cycle of grace out of that then there's going to be an outpouring. So this is my prayer. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole prayer, just the part that I, you know, pertains to this, but it, he says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred. Let me sow love. So as in like sowing seed, not so like sowing um, or S O anyways, where there is hatred, let me sow love where there is injury, pardon, where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. And so I just love that. Make me an instrument. Um, and then where there's hatred, let me so love. And where there's darkness there, uh, let me be light. Um, like just this prayer that God will use me in relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and when I am expecting in relationship from others that I'm giving to other people, um, cause we can't expect to be something we're not to other yeah. people. So totally. That's really good. I love that prayer too. Yep. I guess I should pick a favorite saint. <laughs> You don't have to pick a favorite saint. You can just like a prayer. <laughs> you don't have to be a church history Madonna? nerd like me. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> we obviously need to have a whole podcast episode about this. No. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm just a church history nerd. It's okay. So I appreciate and affirm in you <laughs> your intelligence and your your blessed nerdiness that I love. And you're beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad we could do that for each other today. <laughs> Maybe we should cut that part out. That's pretty ridiculous. Um, okay. Well, this is really good. Yeah, cool. um, I we're by no means experts on relationships. Obviously. We are just participants in them. Hence why we're having Sarah on in a few weeks. Yes. Um, Sarah Collier's coming back to talk boundaries. Yeah. Um, which we thought would be great around the holidays. Yeah. So kind of boundaries with our families during the holidays. And this yeah. is where this goes to. That's I'm yes. glad you said that. Cause yeah, we're, we're talking about being content, but then also part of being content is having good boundaries yeah. so that you can be content because without yeah. good boundaries, you're just going to feel stretched then and yeah. hold in all directions. So yeah. learning how to have boundaries on the people in your life so that you can be these things to them is yeah. super important. It's something yeah. we're always learning. So, um, For sure. there was another, I wanted to mention, I'm rereading, um, soul keeping by John Orberg right now. Yeah which is a great book and talks a lot about 
just this sense of like contentment and how it yeah. starts with us. Yeah. It's like sort of a central message of that book. So we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. And if you've never read it and you have a soul, you probably should because it's just very good. And I yeah. love his writing because it's not remotely dry. Do you love yes. him? I do love him. I, I I don't remember who said this. Maybe it was somebody at church. Maybe it was Chris. I don't remember who. But he, he calls um, John Ortberg, um, Dallas Willard Light. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's, like, kind of the same similar yeah. teachings to um, Dallas Willard. I think we referred to both of them and have them both in our show notes back in our, um, when we were talking about um, our souls back in the mind, body, emotion. It's, um, like, what I can yes. read at my current capacity of my yes. life, I can still read this. So yes, I feel exactly. Like I feel comfortable recommending he, he, he takes uh, He takes a lot of the Dallas Willard and Richard Foster. Yeah. Those, all of the ideas from them uh, on, about soul keeping and kind of makes it to where it's easily digestible. Yeah. But still meaty. And like, still has humor. It's yes. not just this, like, yeah, there's, like, humor there. Yeah, so you're like, that. oh, you too. You don't feel like you're just, like, being, like, schooled. It's like, oh, you have problems too. Thank you, yes. John Ortberg. Okay, now I feel like I can fix it. So, yeah. No, anyway, that's, that's a good, good resource. Yeah. It is. So next okay. week we're talking finances. Yes. Um, tune in for that. So we're talking resources. About, yeah. Um, <laughs> or lack of how to be content with your current uh, financial situation. Yeah. But not complacent. Yep. Um, yeah. So we'll be talking yeah. about that. Yep. And um, we have a giveaway coming up. I'm just going to keep talking about it. Just throw it yes. out there. We have a giveaway. Start paying attention on Instagram if you're not already. It's amazing. If you don't follow us on Instagram, um, it's at Woven and Him. And our Facebook is forward slash Woven and Him. Yes. So follow us on social and we will be updating stuff about our giveaway that I'm I said this jokingly on Insta stories, but I really am mad I can't win it. Because it's pretty I, great. It's pretty I guess because like we're putting it together, so, so it's, it's also all of our favorite, favorite stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I wanted to be Oprah was the favorite things episode. I was like, like I want to give all my friends my favorite things. I was literally just about to say Oprah's name. Really? Oh, <laughs> I love our relationship, but I'm so content. Okay, see so you guys next week. Okay, before we get super cheesy, bye. <laughs>